Hi, Wanaki friends. Welcome back to another episode of Big Red Farmhouse, a podcast brought to you by Wanaki, a summer camp and retreat center in the Lakes region of New Hampshire. We're your hosts, Nicole Richards, Amelia Luke, and Shannon Drew. On today's episode, Wanaki's executive director, James Tresner, shares his reflections on his first five years on the job. He shares some of the significant things that have changed at Wanaki since he started as executive director in 2016, talks about where Wanaki is now and where we are headed. We hope you enjoy. Welcome, James. Thank you, Nicole. Yes, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me back. And uh, I'm, again, excited to talk about our last five years and our next five years. It's hard to believe so much time has gone by, but uh, you did join Wanaki in the in the hot seat in February 2016. And uh, today we're just going to find out a little bit about some of your roses, thorns, and buds uh, for the first five years. So I hope you're ready to, to share a bit of your experience with the Wanaki community today. Yes, uh, yeah, perfect. If you've never had the opportunity to be at a Wanaki campfire, rose, thorn, and bud is one of the ways that we like to close our days at camp together, right? So the roses, campers get to share something that they enjoyed about that day. The thorn is something that maybe was difficult for them. And then the bud is something they're hopeful about. I remember doing it as a camper and as a summer staffer, and it's fun that we've chosen to do that today too. Yeah. So let's get let's get right into it, James. What are what are some of the roses that you've had for these first five years? There've been a lot. Yes, I, the obvious and biggest one is the growth in our missional reach, and I think that's most clearly shown through our increased camper numbers. And you know, summer camp is the heart of Wanaki, and the chance to serve more and more campers each year and provide a joyful and affirming space for them to be themselves and experience radical acceptance where they are welcomed as they are and for who they are. It just means so much. And we grew about, I think, from 2016 to 2015 to 2019, we were up 37%. Things are a little bit off the rails now with uh, COVID throwing so many curveballs our way, but it was it has been really inspiring to be a part of that. And just to know that it's not growth because of growth, it's growth because every additional camper we welcome is one more person whose life we're changing and, 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 and someone who we're influencing in a positive way. And even if they only come to camp one time, creating a, a memory that I really believe and know that they'll carry with them for life and a little soft spot in the corner of their heart. And hopefully they do come back year after year. But I think any camper who experiences camp walks away with uh, positive memories that will always be carried with them. I did a similar conversation six months in to this job. And so I told this the strange story of just how meaningful these, I grew up here. This is year 22 or 23 involved at camp. In addition to being year six now in the sixth year of as the director and there are just mo funny moments where you I don't expect to get uh, nostalgic or you know to have those moments of deja vu or just to, these memories that I kind of forgot I had that come flying back and they the, the story I told in, in 2016 was about um, the smell of the lower shower house, which isn't like a totally unpleasant one. It's just a very specific one. And the rec hall also <laughs> has a, a smell and sort of the farmhouse. I was just talking about it yesterday um, at our mini work day. And just, I had the same experience of with Dan Atori and Matt Manser who were on our board and both of whom I worked with um, on summer staff. And we were doing a walkabout to check on some of the things that we needed to tweak for this upcoming summer to make sure we're prepared for operating as safely as we can as we figure out COVID 
protocols. And Matt walked into the shower house and had that same exact reaction of, wow, this just smells exactly the same. And I, you know, it's, so it's, it's so rewarding personally to be with friends like, like um, Dan and Matt and to be speaking with you today, someone I've known for many, many years. And also just to be at camp, a place that I love. There's a reason why so many alumni stop by to go for a walk or watch a sunset or use us as a place to meet up with a friend or have a picnic, hike the trails. Um, and that's because the physical space is really meaningful. And then in the summer to get to watch campers and staff do their thing and I'm living it with them and also living vicariously through them when I'm in the office paying bills, but I still get to watch them sing the Crossing the Street song or something, which I used to love doing as a counselor, just making that into a whole thing with my site. And uh, I, I just, yeah, it's, it's really so joyful. Those, those seven weeks in the summer are just so full of memories that it, it's powerful. And last, the last thing I think I would cite in this, the rose category would be um, just being a, a part of, and I guess really immersed in, right? My day-to-day life, my professional life, and, and so much of my personal life still is enveloped in the river of, of love and support for camp. And just the, the ways that our community has stepped up and secured Wanakee's future in so many ways for the next generation. And that's that's in these work days that we've always had with lots of volunteers showing up and summer engagement, our boards and committees and all the people who offer time freely and frequently to make sure that we are making smart decisions and moving forward and staying true to our mission and, and the goals of the Wanakee programs and ministry. It's also in the number of donors we have. And even uh, I my, in my first year, we had just over 100 people who gave gifts, and now we have over 200 giving in one day during New Hampshire Gives. And um, in the, the three years before, and from 2013 to 2015, we were raising on average 13 or $14,000 a year. In 2020, we raised more than $200,000 from almost 400 unique people. I mean, that's, without getting ahead of myself, a thorn could be the financials of running any nonprofit, but especially a nonprofit that is as small as we are and kind of, you know, with the thin staff that we have and also in the landscape of being a United Methodist entity as the, the church in around the world is undergoing transformation and and it's, it's hard to be a church. It's hard to be a church-related organization financially, um, but our community has just shown time and time again their commitment and level of support and it just you know, it just keeps pushing me forward. It keeps pushing everybody forward. And, and uh, we can look to our next 60 years with so much hope and optimism. And it's, it's just so incredible and inspiring to be just immersed in that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just so grateful for that. Yeah, I think if I if I were to pick one rose myself, I would say seeing the change in in generosity, not the change, but the the commitment from our community and expansion of that in giving of their time, talents, and treasure to Wanaki. And I think without without the support of the Wanaki community, there's just no way that we could have tackled some of the major issues that we've tackled today, including bringing more campers on site where we continue to be a very excellent value camp for in the state of New Hampshire and just in general, because we have such commitment from our community to provide camperships for families that can't afford to, to send their child to camp through their own means and, uh, and also still keeping camp affordable otherwise, and all the millions of facilities improvements that we've made over, over these past couple of years, the generosity of the community, I think is, is the thing that I would highlight the most. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's everyone is so activated, right? It just feels like people who love yeah. camp are just so engaged and in the and in the zone, and it and that's why it's it that's why it's working, right? That's why we're right. growing, and that's why we're bouncing back from COVID with such confidence and and speed and getting back to overnight camp this summer. And and I I thank you for bringing up support for campers and families, right? We've always had the belief that finances should never be a an obstacle for anyone having a Wanaki experience. So we are the best deal in in New Hampshire in the in the region in terms of um, the the cost for coming to camp for a week, and that's only possible because of our the support of the United Methodist Church and the congregations of our conference, and because our, the individuals and families who support us are so committed to that with us. And it 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 plays out every summer where we are we meet every bit of need that we see for families to make sure that their their kids are here, and that's yeah, so important. Yeah, it is. I wonder, James, if you if you share with us what some of the challenges have been. So in our rosebud thorn or rose thorn bud, um, the thorns are the things that have been a part of the journey and that have been maybe caused a little bit of pain or struggle. What are what are some of the things that, that have been challenges over these first five years? Yeah, the, it's a it's a hard job. You know, I think that's a very general and vague statement, but it is. It is a position, and I t- and I think camp directing in a lot of places, but especially at Wanaki, as an executive director, I will be meeting with the board and working on visioning and mission, and then I will also the plow guy. And the, you know, there's water coming out of the ground, and that's because a, a valve is not tightened all the way, and I have to try and remember where that valve might be. So, you know, it's just there's such a broad scope, and it is really, really, really hard to stay on top of everything as the sole full-time employee. And thank goodness that we were able to hire a year-round assistant director, Hannah. Back, she's heading into her fourth year now, um, in early 2018, and that has made a world of difference. But as we've scaled up and continue to serve more campers, we've needed every bit of her time in addition to the full-time capacity that I bring to it. So, it, you know, I. I have to know about state and federal labor laws and paint and stain types and how and where to apply them and how to lead a group of 100 and singing around and running a tractor, which I love doing. I've, I, we've, we were able to upgrade our tractor last year and I have been removing rocks from the field recently. It's a fun, I, you know, sort of in the evening, the picture behind you, Nicole, is a sunset that I, I grabbed that one night when I was out pulling out a rock that people trip on from the field with the tractor. And it's a fun hobby, but also not a skill I'd ever thought I'd have is learning how to, to do that. You know, PCI credit card security standards implementation. I have to do that every year. The location of a, of the eleven septic tank lids around camp, and sort of the basics of those systems, and then applying for payroll protection plan loan applications. I might be doing all of those things in a given day, and it's interesting. And I I've learned a lot, and I expanded my skill set in ways that I never would have imagined when I started my career as in higher ed a few, like ten years ago now, I guess. But it's still a challenge because. There are things that I have to do as the person, the signer on our bank accounts and the person paying the bills and living on site, making sure that the our 200 acres are monitored. And after a windstorm, I walk the property and see if how many trees have fallen on our ropes course and our different structures, our 25 buildings. And then there's the things that move our mission forward the most. And that's summer camp and bringing in new campers and working on our uh, you know, realizing our mission through camping and, and our programs, and then also working on the viability and long-term stability of the organization. And that's a lot of, you know, financial work. Uh, and then there's all these things in the middle that also take up time that it, it really is just a, a tough balancing act to figure out where my time should go when I have a limited 40, 60, 80, 100, whatever many weeks, hours I'm working in a week, there's, I'm still going to run out of time eventually. So prioritizing that and trying to meet all of the needs of different stakeholders and people who are engaged at camp is hard. And that actually bleeds in, I think, to the 
the other thorn that it's a bit of a bud and a rose too, but it's Wanaki is an intensely personal place. And it was that for me. Um, I grew up here as a camper and a summer staffer and a volunteer and a committee member. I've been involved for a long time. I have a lot of really, really meaningful friendships and relationships that are formed only because of camp. And if you've listened to the Big Red Farmhouse podcast, which this is now on, and but other episodes, you'll hear time and time again, people meeting their partners, their best friends, mentors at camp. And that is certainly true for me. But now I also have this professional accountability and responsibility as the full-time staff member accountable for our safety and our finances, right? Like these are, those are the core elements of what, what do I have to do? I have to make sure camp is safe. I have to make sure camp is paying the bills and moving forward and, and, and protecting, you know, the institution. And people are really passionate about camp on a personal level. I think that they're more passionate about a place like Wanaki than their college or their, you know, and so many organizations, Wanaki, you, when you come here, you live here, you eat here, you, you make your best friends here. So it gets into your soul in, wonderful ways. And that's part of why it's so valuable. And that's part of why I love the work. But it also means that people's relationship to the place is really complicated because it's so fundamental to who they are. And that so that leads to disagreements. I don't want to I don't want to sugarcoat that, that at times it can be hard because of what I just said, you know, my limited time that I have and how I have to prioritize and be really mindful of the financial implications of if I'm not spending two hours recruiting campers because I'm spending those two hours doing something else, is that really, where's my, I have to do things that aren't, you know, that aren't building relationships with families. That's necessary. But there are moments where I have to actively choose, is this going to actually move Wanaki forward as much as this other thing? And if I'm saying no to something or changing something because I need to focus on something else, that doesn't always sit well with somebody who maybe is really interested in, in a certain, you know, in engaging with camp in a way that that is hard for me to get onto the list. I also know in my heart that everybody who loves Wanaki, I think if I sat down with them one-to-one and we just talked about what are our vision and goals and, and why do we care about this place, 90%, 95% of would be the same, right? Like we all we all want campers here. We want this place to thrive. We want our, our kids and our grandkids and our, our nieces and nephews. We want future generations to come here, have their own experiences. And we want it to continue to be small group focused and a place that fosters meaningful friendships and rustic, right? These are, I, I think that we all agree on that. And, and that's, that's what I come back to in those moments. And I would, I, I would say, so again, another, I'm going to sort of cheat and look back at a, a rose is, but also use it as an example, Phil Polhemus, uh, a retired pastor who lives up the street from camp, literally, and also has been the council chair. And he's going to be on an upcoming episode of this podcast. Uh, he was the interim site director in 2005. He helped caretake the facility and keep the lights on between in the three or four months before I, when we didn't have a full-time executive director. And he's also someone who was a mentor to me when I was on summer staff and someone I've known for a long time, but I've had the opportunity to to just get, get so much closer to him um, because he has so much to teach and I have so much to learn. And to count him as a closer friend and role model has been a real joy. And also, we work really closely together. In particular, in 2016, he was back on, he, he agreed to come back as our facilities coordinator and help me figure out where those 11 lids to our different septic tanks are, among other things. And that also, you know, we're each people with our own vision and, and specific ideas that we bring to the table. And sometimes we would have conflict. And that that's, I think, natural in any environment, but a particularly a work environment for sure, but especially a, a personal environment like camp, when you combine those things, that can get pretty intense. But one of the things that I love about Phil is that even in spite of any moment where we had a disagreement, we also always knew that we had the same goal, 
and that we could work through it and that it was rooted in, in, in love for each other and, and in passion for this place and this ministry and the way that we can change lives. So we, you know, you get, you have your disagreement, you work through it and then you move forward. And it has been hard because of the way that this is a personal place for me with professional expectations and realities, but also that has brought real depth of, of joy because I've gotten to work alongside you and Phil and people on the board and our committees who I was campers with and on staff with, and that has meant so much. So it, it, it definitely sort of cuts both ways, but it's been a challenge. Yeah, I think when we're working in sort of the nonprofit space and we have a lot of volunteer driven things, so all of our committee work, aside from the, the inputs that you and Hannah give, it's all volunteer based. And there are hundreds, if not thousands of hours of work that happen, uh, not even on, on the actual facilities upkeep when we have work days with, uh, with tons of people, there is so much input happening there, but the, it, it is based on, on volunteers and people giving their time and people who care about camp for all their different reasons. And the personal relationships are one of the special parts. But as you said, I, I also experienced some challenges in trying to, to work with folks in the professional way as a board member and in the personal way as um, we've known each other for 25 years and we're trying to, trying to work through this together. It's the challenges abound. And um, I think that's, it's something worth mentioning that it, it's tricky because there are a lot of personal opinions and, and people caring about the place and just coming back to the mission and why we're here. That's, that's the thing that brings us all together. Definitely. Yeah. And then I think it's Wanaki is a place that the, where the connections are so caring. Right. And I, I think, but sometimes we get, we get so wrapped up in whatever problem we're solving that we forget that ultimately like the reason that I care about this person is that we spent, we sat around a campfire, you know, in, in 2007 and we laughed and we sang, you know, and that, but it, you just, it, it's easy to, to get away from that. And, and I don't know, it's hard. It's hard. Well, those are some of the thorns, James. Now let's talk a bit about the buds. So the buds, as James mentioned, are either things that we're hopeful for, but they could be things that we're starting to see a glimmer of already that we're hoping will, will blossom into roses in the future. What are some of the buds that you see coming in the next five years or the next year, whatever that time frame might be? I'm, I'm going to talk a little short term and a little long term, I think. So the first, and this is, doesn't have a, necessarily a timeline, but I'm excited about all the efforts that are happening to bring camp back and reopen and rebound from pandemic life from the last 15 months. You know, it is really exciting how positive the news is of late when in in this in the states in particular, and that we can start looking towards returns to things that feel more familiar um, from before March 2020. And so hopefully that also will include a growth in our summer camp programming again, getting back to running day camp, coming retreats again as as we're able to. Um, and just making it so that more people can have their experience in our Christian community during the summer and in other times of the year. You know, we've we've lost a lot in the last 15 months and camp is one of those things that, you know, I was feeling it. And we just had our first sort of public facing event on site yesterday with a, a little quote mini work day. And there were 15 or 20 folks here and working hard, mowing lawns and um, replacing light fixtures and planning for the next projects, renovations to get ready for the summer. Uh, and it was just so wonderful to be together again, not on Zoom and see those folks. So I'm excited about that. It is a, definitely a bud 
is also it is it's just a lot of work right we have a long ways to go because of all the things that happened in the last 15 months and and how this summer for example opening with less than 50 percent capacity compared to when we opened in 2019 that's a, a sobering reality but I, I we're on at least we're opening and we're gonna have campers here and it's gonna be amazing i cannot wait i'm, I'm gonna be really nervous on that first sunday but man that the just the <laughs> it's gonna be so fun the first i'll lose you know on that first time we get to sing a song up and down the hill from side to side as our traditional closing i think it's just gonna be spine tingling you know just so good to be back to that just the feeling of getting that back i think is going to be it's going to be very rejuvenating i think for for the community yes for sure yeah i wish there were unfortunately all those are not a thing that you can record very easily because it's so faint up in the distance so we i would try and put it out there maybe we'll live stream the staff singing from the street and then you can just fill in the blanks with the campers up at their sites right. but <laughs> um yeah it's you know but all the and little things in between there too you know just even just walking by nine square and seeing a site out there in the field, just laughing and having fun. You know, we just, we haven't had that in two years. It's going to be amazing yep. to get back to so something very practical in your term is uh, New Hampshire gives has been a, we have Mwaniki, you, the one community earned the power of many award for the most dollars raised in a 24 hour period during this one day event, a generosity event for the state of New Hampshire both in 2019 and 2020, which was remarkable, very unexpected. Last year, there were almost 500 organizations uh, participating and this year we're at that same number, if not gonna jump over 500 maybe. I, so I don't know what the community will do this year, but what I can uh, specifically, I guess, announce here is that we do have a, a supporter of camp raised their hand and reached out and said, I'd like to provide some matching prizes for Wanaki again to, to try and see what we can do on that New Hampshire Gives Day. and that's 5 p.m. on June 8th until 5 p.m. on June 9th. So those matches are, the first one is a $30,000 dollar for dollar, so one for one, for one match. So if you give $100, you that would be matched by this donor up to $30,000. There's also going to be some other matching prizes. Um, $300,000 was pledged by the New Hampshire Charitable Foundation, I think is the name. So that there will, that's going to be spread out throughout the 24-hour period. There's some giving minutes this year, I think. So there's potential, though, that your gifts could be tripled, which is really exciting. The other one is that if we reach 200 unique donors, then we would unlock a $20,000 gift as well from the from the same donor. So that's a total of $50,000 in matching incentives to support camp on that day. And consider this, if you give $20, if that's, you know, every gift makes a big difference. And we are so excited. One of the things that I mentioned earlier is the number of people supporting camp. And it doesn't, doesn't mean that all those people are giving 500 or $1,000 because a lot of them aren't. And, and that's that, but they're still putting their flag in the sand and saying that I, I care about camp and I'm investing at camp. So if you give $20 during New Hampshire Gives, that could be first doubled up to 40 and then another $100 unlocked when we get the 200 donors. So that could be a $140 gift. So I hope you might consider supporting us that day. And all of that is in service to our mission, which includes the camperships that we spoke about earlier and ensuring that camp remains the most affordable option in the state and that we meet all demonstrated need from families if they need additional help to get here. Um, it also includes the added expenses of renovating different spaces in camp, building a new outdoor hand-washing sink outside our dining hall, things like that for us to reopen this year without passing all of those expenses onto families, which we're committed to not doing. 
And lastly, it's major upgrades, right? And that's the last year we bought a new truck and tractor. We renovated the farmhouse recently. A project that you will probably never notice, but we had to do was investing some tens of thousands of dollars into repairing some cracks in the foundation of the upper shower house, which I just was in there early last week. And it, the, now the under the area underneath is perfectly dry, which was the goal, which will preserve that building for decades to come. So we've done a lot of great projects and we are very close to having enough funds in the bank to continue. We want to stay away from taking out loans as much as possible, um, but we have almost enough money to start really getting into the literal planning of building a new health center. And that would be a space for campers to have rest and recovery when they're not feeling well. And also for our nurse and or um, or our camp medical staff and their families to be comfortable. Healthcare is right so front of mind right now. And that's one of the things that underscore why this is a need for camp. We've used our farmhouse for a long time, but it's a needed upgrade for the camper experience, for safety, for managing things like COVID, which hopefully we, we don't have to face as sharply as we did last year. We also have other dreams including getting it, fixing, working on the inside of the farmhouse, maybe winterizing that. The dining hall, you may have seen plans for that floating around five or 10 years ago to build a new kitchen off of it and then expand seating since we had to take out a bunch of tables when the fire code changed about a decade ago. We went, went from 144 seats to 86. So those are, those are pretty front of mind. There's a lot of under the ground sort of infrastructure, water and roads that needs help. And then lastly, a new retreat center, our rec hall, right. we love it. It's historic. It's been around a long time. And also there's things that it's not doing. So to make our you and me experience and our volunteer experience a higher quality, we would love to do that at some point, but that's maybe a little further off in the distance. Yeah, I think where I, I shared my rose was the generosity. I think I will have to just use it for the for my bud as well, that the generosity from the Wanaki community is something that I'm very hopeful about. And I, I shared with you last week, James, that for for me, also thinking about seeing people who bring their their children and then their grandchildren to camp, not just as campers, but also helping on work days and those things so that the people that come to Wanaki are not just getting something from Wanaki, they're giving something back to Wanaki and giving back to the next generation after them and after them and after them. And that's something that I, I feel very excited about. And, and, you know, you touched on many of the facility items that we have been able to address recently and also some of the really big, big needs that we have for camp to be able to move forward in the future. There, There's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And I'm just really excited to see how the Wanaki community comes and helps and supports and helps us meet those needs and make these dreams into reality in the future. Absolutely. I love the way you said that. Yeah. That was our rose thorns and buds I'm curious if if you have any other thoughts that you wanted to share that are sort of outside of that framework. Yes. Well, I think now we, we may as well take a moment to just invite people first to some ways that they can help Wanaki today and tomorrow, right? I uh, And you, you had mentioned, reminded me earlier that the best the best thing we can ever invite someone to do is to invite a young person to come to camp. And that includes campers, of course. If you invite a neighbor or your niece or someone from church that to come to camp, you're inviting them to experience something that will stay with them forever and potentially change their life, right? And and the worst case scenario is they have a little, a week at camp where they can tuck that in their heart and always remember a time where they were welcomed unconditionally for who they were and just got to have some simple fun in the woods and maybe maybe consider a life of faith and um, what that could offer them in terms of hope and support and inspiration. 
We're also still looking for summer staff, which is not normal for May uh, as we get close to summer, but the young person includes young adults or young at heart um, who maybe need a summer job and more importantly, are looking to make a difference in the lives of hundreds of young people. I mean, that's what camp offers in addition to some of the best friends you will ever have and some really phenomenal opportunities to develop skills and leadership. We've got a wish list on Amazon, uh, and there's also there's ample opportunities for individuals to to give to camp by spending some time at camp. There's lots of projects that still need to be done. Trails need to be cleared. Uh, lots of work for every uh, every ability level. So if you are if you've got time and want to come up and spend spend a bit of time at the space that you love so much, please get in touch with James can find our contact information on the website. And as James mentioned, the Amazon wish list and New Hampshire gives check, uh, mark it off in your calendar, June 8th and 9th, um, a special day of giving in the state of New Hampshire, where your dollars will be will be increased uh, because of some, some generous matching donors. So there's a place that you love. There's lots and lots and lots of ways for you to support us. It's a fun day to follow along. I mean, with, with Wanaki and with just the whole sector in the state. I mean, it the New Hampshire is an outlier nationally to the, the company that helps support the infrastructure of such giving. Um, they thought the website was broken last year because people across <laughs> the state, they they're one of their leaders logged on and literally thought there was a tech problem because we more 500% increase in giving from 2019 to 2020 as a state. I mean, that is Yes, phenomenal. Really remarkable. Really, really, really cool. And it's so it's so fun. It's great for Wanaki and it's great to be a part of it. I mean, New Hampshire is full of very generous people. So well, James, I wonder if you would share any parting words of wisdom with uh, with our listeners today. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you again, Nicole. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you spending some time here and invi- inviting me on. I think I would close with two things. And one is, I think back to our very first board retreat in my first year in fall of 2016. And we were fortunate to welcome Travis Allison, who's a camp consultant and grew up at a camp and also worked at camps that are not so dissimilar from Wanaki, but um, he's from up in Canada. But what he, as someone who travels around the camp industry and, and really knows, has a depth of knowledge of a lot of different types of camps, he looked at Wanaki and looked at us and, and just underscored how important it was that the small camps with all the heart keep going and keep thriving, right? Because there's a lot of camps out there that are big with hundreds of people and speedboats and this and that. But I, the character and the unique qualities of our very, of this small, our, our small program and our tight bonds that we form in the small group focus and then the rustic nature of our site. It, you know, we just, there's a lot of heart here. And, and you are, we've talked a lot about how you're already showing that. But if you think about what Wanaki offers to individuals in the world. And it's such a unique little space and a unique little experience that isn't little. I shouldn't use that word. You know, I think it's impactful and can be a real cornerstone for a rich and meaningful life in so many ways, in friendships, in faith, in experiencing nature in meaningful ways. You know, it just, thank you. You know, that's the other thing I wanted to say is it just, it's been such an honor and a joy to be immersed in the community. That means so much to me personally. And now is my professional day to day where I really just sort of spend all my waking hours, the ways that the experiences and connections that can't become cornerstones of joy, you know, and, and connection. I can't wait to see what the next five years hold. And it's, it's really, it's truly been an honor and, and such a unexpected turn in my life to be able to, to breathe camp in this place that I love day in and day out. So I'm appreciative of the opportunity and and more than that, appreciative of the community and, and all the individuals who have uh, made the five years meaningful and positive and, and just charted us on such a inspiring and, and hopeful course for our next 60 years. Thank you for that. 
We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll tune in next week to hear more from Wanaki Voices. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can follow us on social media at WanakeNH or visit our website, wanakee.org. Grace and peace.